Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Excel Radio's Ask the Expert. Brought to you by Beckshot Photography and Video. It's your story. Make it awesome. For more information, go to Beckshot.com. Now, here's your host. Good morning, everybody. We have a power-packed lineup today on Excel, Ask the Expert version. Robert, you want to introduce who all is here today? We've got a very old friend of mine, Jim McRae, and his lovely wife, Sherry. Yes. Uh, Jim McRae and I go back to the 70s. Wow. The 70s, yeah. Wow. He was... Did they, did they have a radio back then? <laughs> the AM. AM radio. AM Everybody radio. was on AM. And yeah. cassette I'm glad decks. I can only remember like to the 90s. So <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing. And we had eight tracks and cassettes in our cars, didn't we? We did. Wow. We did. The kids right now are going, what's, a, what's an eight track? What what's that? a cassette? Yeah. <laughs> it was before cell phones, right? Different generation. And so Jim is with Overcome Church, and he's uh, he's got an exciting story to tell us. And so I'm really looking forward to getting into it with Jim. Yeah, and uh, and there's an exciting us. new development too, right, Jim? Yeah, well, we'll we'll see if that comes out. All right. So <laughs> might not. I think we'll get it out of him. I think we'll get it out of him. Okay. And we also have Tila Smith. That's me. Hello, Mortgage Tila lender Smith. extraordinaire. Mortgage lender extraordinaire. And uh, Tila's been doing some really good loans for me. And on the investor side, some some really interesting stuff. And uh, she's been a huge, uh, huge weapon for me as far as going after some of this investment stuff. So uh, glad she's glad she's here, sitting next to Jim. We're gonna we're gonna roll it up a little bit and see what kind of <laughs> trouble we can start. Probably a lot. Now you said she's uh, she's your secret weapon on investment stuff. Yes. So you've been making a strong move into investment properties since our first episode, right? Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. And uh, you're kind of all over North Georgia now doing the investment properties, the, the Airbnb type things and the rental houses and that sort of thing, right? Right. Um, well, it, it shifted. The market shifted, right? Um, interest rates raised up, but people are still buying houses. We're still getting 120,000 people here a year. So, I mean, Atlanta is filling up. We're, we're mini California. Um, people are going further out towards Rome, North Georgia. Um, Cleveland, all over the state, going south, Macon. Um, so there's opportunity out there for everybody if you work hard. South, Macon, that's kind of flat down there, right? It's flat, but yeah. there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of uh, growth, development growth down down south. So, I mean, developers are looking for land. You're not going to find that in greater Atlanta, so they're going south. I was talking grass the other day with a landscaper, and he said, uh, you know, once you get to Interstate 20 – you have to start planting different kind of grass. It's different soil, different oh, weather, yeah. different everything once you pass 20. Yeah. So apparently everything's a, different <laughs> past 20. Everything's different. Uh, yeah. It's not just the weather, right? That's, Especially if, after 7, 38 o'clock. If you live here, everything's different, you yeah. know, under 20. So. And Jim and I have lived here for a long time. <laughs> so, Tila, tell us about your company and uh, about yourself. Yeah, so my company is New American Funding, and it's been around for about 20 years. I've been a lender for going on three, almost four years now. Um, I'm originally from Kansas, the Kansas area. Grew up in southeast Kansas on a flat. That's also flat. flat. (laughs) Grew up on a little farm there in Kansas and moved around quite a bit. Landed here in Georgia in Atlanta about five years ago, and I love it. It wasn't planned. I wasn't really planning on coming to Atlanta, but at the time I was traveling a lot with work and just landed here and I live on the Beltline and couldn't have made a better decision for, 
or uh, where I'm at in my career and personal life. How did you choose lending? You know, I fell into it. I wouldn't say that I chose it because you don't really grow up thinking, oh, wow, boy, I want to be a lender. <laughs> like, <laughs> to be honest, uh, probably before I got into this career, I didn't know what a mortgage broker was. Yeah. And I fell into it. I was manifesting what I wanted out of a career. I was looking for career change. And I was like, hey, I want these specific five things. And I just kept focusing on it, thinking on them and looking for job opportunities anywhere that I could find one. And I ended up asking my neighbor at the time. And I was like, hey, do you have any companies that are hiring? And he was like, yeah, actually, my company that I'm with. And this was right before the pandemic. And he was like, yeah, how about we just interview and interview you? So we set that up. I came in, interviewed, hit it off with the regional and Southeast manager. And then they paid for me to get my license. And it just took off from there. And, and so here you are. Yeah. In front of the golden EIB mic. <laughs> the what? The golden EIB mic. You're you know, not, the Rush Limbaugh You're mic. not Rush Limbaugh. Come on now. <laughs> Uh, and Jim, tell us, uh, give us the one minute bio on you. Yeah, uh, well, I we started a church called Overcome Church here in Canton, and then we have another location in Peachtree City, and it's been a. Uh, we started it right before COVID. Oh Excellent. Lord, yeah. good timing. Yeah, it was well. Yeah, well, we we actually got the COVID notice, and we went ahead and did it anyway. So um, <laughs> no, we didn't know we didn't know it was coming, and so it was. But it's been a beautiful experience, and we've got a lot of great people that worship on the north and south sides. Our goal was to uh, start about um, as many locations as we could open, and then COVID hit, and so it's just that's been obviously not as easy. But yeah, we got a great church family, and you know, then Sherry and I got married about. Oh gosh, if I don't get this right, uh, Ooh, last September pressure. we got married last September, and so it's it's been, on Facebook. Let me check. It's been <laughs> wonderful working with somebody that you love. So it's been a cool experience. Yeah, we're doing great. Yeah, glad to be here, and thank you. Well, we saw back to Facebook for a second. I saw so many pictures of you guys together, and I'm like, well, did y'all get married? I mean, did. He didn't announce it. It's just I see on the beach with like a yeah. nice shirt on and the water in the we background. We already live in a glass house, so we did not. There's certain things we tried to keep as privately as possible. I had to reach out to you and say, "Did you Look, get married?" We had to have the wedding. We went. We purposely put the wedding in Pensacola so that the church wouldn't come because we were like, you know, we wanted a really small wedding, and then the church came, and so they all decided to awesome. do a vacation on Pensacola and kill yeah. two birds with one stone, so it was crazy. So, yeah, we had a – it was fun, a that's lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Randy, um, Jim and I go way back. There's some stories that we won't tell on the radio. No. Um, but Jim was a superstar baseball player back in the day. Jim, you want to no, I wasn't, but talk thank about you. yeah, I your baseball it. days? No, we just had a lot of fun. I mean, you know that Blackwell was it Blackwell that Blackwell started Field behind yeah. St. John United Methodist Church, and we it was an incredible experience. This guy had a vision to bring all these kids together and start a baseball program, and that's how we met all over the sort of the public and private schools. All those kids came together during the summer, and we ended up. It just started to. We just went through the levels all the way up through yeah. high school, and you know we formed great friendships and competitive friendships, yeah. and uh, all went to different schools. But yeah, it was a, it was a ton of fun. A, a lot of a lot of good folks that we still keep in touch with. And that's when Atlanta was a lot smaller. I yeah. told you that uh, David Bickerson called me on the yeah, way over here. Yeah, the, the and, big stick. And yeah, and a lot of those. I went to Georgia with a lot of those guys, and uh, you know it was. It, it, and we, unfortunately, my life sort of took a turn with the church, and I didn't 
keep up with anybody because it was just 80 hours a week full bore and uh but i know that a lot of those guys still get i mean you still get together with yeah. a lot of them and it's it's still, it's cool to see how their lives have progressed but yeah nyo and all that stuff was was awesome Great it was experience. paramount and it, so many of those kids went on to play college sports yeah whether yeah. it be football yeah. baseball a couple of basketball like players. i mean you know when we were little it's it's interesting because you saw kids that just were different yeah i mean like you know like you for instance like you were like something we were like well why is he always is what does he do except lift weights you know (laughs) and so like robbie was like this this statue carved out of marble that came walking i mean he's still there (laughs) and i'm like this skinny little runt of a human being and then there's this (laughs) this like mini man, you know, and, uh, but you know, like Espo and yeah. some of these guys just had skills, just like you, they were born with them and Wesley uh, Pritchett, Pritchett and all these guys. guys. Yeah. And so, you know, those guys were going to do something and then other people like us had to really work at it. So yeah. but we were, we were, we made it. Yeah, we did so, a lot of fun. Tila, tell me about the market. What's the market doing? What what are people looking at mortgage wise? Are rates going up? Are they going down? What's the forecast? Tell me what's in your crystal ball. Oh Lord, if I only had a crystal ball, I wish I could answer this question. I mean, I get it every single day. And if I could see the future, well, first of all, I'd be a millionaire. And then second of all, um, I don't know what I would do with all that money. But with the market, I mean, it has been slightly volatile, but it's just trying to correct really over the last two years, whenever we were having the pandemic, everything that happened during that market is just an anomaly. So now the market's just trying to correct. And the main thing that I try to tell people, yeah, rates are higher than they had been during the pandemic, but still, I mean, I don't think we've ever seen a 2% or 3% interest rate. And are we ever going to go back to that? Not without some sort of. Those were the outliers. Yeah. Disaster or catastrophe or anything like that. Um, For the future. I mean, it's definitely predicted that rates are going to go down in the near future. There's going to be a refi boom. I mean, we're kind of going into this slow recession, but uh, I mean, other than that, I wish I had a crystal ball because I sure would love to, to see what they're going to do. I use the analogy, you date the rate, right? You fall in love with the house. You're not that, that rate that you're going to go into now at 6.5, it's 7.5. I mean, Randy knows an 8.5 deal that I think somebody here close to us put him in. Remember that one? I sure do remember that. <laughs> yeah. She's killing me over She's there. She's killing you with that rate. But, but you just date the rate when the rates go back down and we know the rates are going to go back down. You're going to refi. And so there's going to be opportunities for the, for that kind of business as well. 100%. Yeah. I mean, date the rate, marry the house yeah. and break up with renting. Right. That's the big one. I mean, I, I have this conversation all the time and I think there's so much fear mongering in the market that people are so worried about a market crash or a housing bubble because of what happened in 07, 09. Um, that little era, it's like, People are still living with PTSD from the housing market, unfortunately. I had 15 properties then, and I was lucky to get rid of all but one. Yeah, well. 15 properties. Not not as many people made it out as lucky. No. But for for me, I just bought my first property in January, and that was a huge deal for me because I was looking at, you know, I'm a single young lady, and I was like, I don't know if I'm really ready to make 
the uh, the big jump into purchasing. But for me, I was like, okay, so I could continue living in this area and I could rent for roughly twenty three, twenty one hundred on the Beltline, uh, maybe a one bedroom or studio apartment, or alternatively, I could buy for the same price. So even with having a higher rate, like a six percent interest rate, I'm still having the same monthly payment out of pocket. So it doesn't make sense for people to continue renting if they're in the right position. And, you know, I've told people that the higher the mortgage rate, the the more you're going to be able to take off your taxes because you deduct your, your interest rate payment. Yeah, that's portion. absolutely, that's absolutely true. And so bit, then you have the appreciation. huh? It's a little bit of a give back. You know? It is a little yeah, bit of give yeah. back. Thank God. God. Yeah. We'll get to him later <laughs> shortly. Who, who is um, that God guy? Anyway? Yeah. Who's that God guy? Um, oh, you're about to find out. But yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to get, we're going to get in the weeds on that. Get but holy water out. Can you send a message to God to make these rates come yeah, down? I, I don't have that. There, is there an open alleyway we can talk to him about that? Well, can we yeah, we, we can. The, 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 there's always a price for everything, right? What yes. would that price be, Jim? <laughs> Tell me. No. no. It, send a check to the church. Send a check to yeah. the church. <laughs> oh, oh, you're Catholic. Yeah. We're going to talk about that, too. Um, so, go ahead. You mentioned the 8.5. It was really 8.3. Don't cheat me now. Ah. Uh, but um, – that was a unique loan because it was an investment loan, right? Based on uh, that was issued based on cash flow, not you know, not on credit. It's, it's all about the property and its value and its cash flow. And um, DSCR is that? DSCR? You know, there are a lot of people that may not be aware of that sort of thing. So maybe you want to uh, explain DSCR? a little bit about some of the investment, some of the cool investment programs that you have. Yeah, I would love that. So a DSCR loan is a debt service coverage ratio loan, and really how that loan is is um, calculated is going to be on the projected rental income of the property. And so we do analyze credit. It's a no income doc loan. And so the rates are a little bit higher because obviously it's an investment property. Investment properties come with a little extra risk than maybe a primary. But for the overall part of getting a DSCR loan, the lender is looking at loaning based on the projected rental income that that property will be bringing in. So it's in a higher rate. So let's just say Randy wants to refi out of that because rates have gone down to say like 4.5%. Are there prepayment penalties in that loan? That is an option. Yes, there are prepayment penalties on that loan, but going into it, you have the option to choose um, whether you want like a four-year, three-year, or two-year. Okay. So, and it just gets rolled into the rate which one you choose. Right. So and who cares? If it's it's a commercial you. loan. They generally have those kind of privileges because banks want to, you know, stabilize their their loan portfolio as well. Roger but that. the good thing about it is, you know, yes, higher interest rate. But in in our case, you know, I'm newer in this business. I just moved down here. My income had not gotten to the you know, suborbital levels that it's at now. Right. And so, <laughs> I mean, I mean, even in, in and that so it case, made all the difference. Yeah. Right? Even in that case, because yeah, it got you what you wanted. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, trying to qualify someone based on self-employed income, they have to have a two year history. If they don't have that two year history, or even if they do, I mean, self-employed individuals, a lot of the time they take a lot of write-offs to be able to not pay the IRS or not pay as much. So it's kind of like a give and take, whether someone wants to take those deductions from the IRS or, you know, pay a little bit higher interest rate on the home. So it's, it's really going to end up kind of the same way, just whether you want to allocate it's your money to product. the IRS or it's not. It's a good product. Yeah. So Jim, I mean, you're doing a new deal, you know, Overcome Churches is a new uh, strategy for you guys, for you and yeah. Sherry. Yeah. Tell yeah, us definitely. how, tell us how that's going to work out. Well, I mean, I think when we started the church, you know, what, four years ago, five, four, four years ago. June. Yeah, right, right before COVID. So it was 
our goal was to do something completely different. I mean, we, we wanted to really niche down and, and understand that we were feeling God calling us not to, well, I mean, we've done the big church stuff. We've done the entertainment stuff. We've, I mean, Sherry, you did, you were running a thousand kids in a VBS kind of thing and, you know, running eventually all of the different departments of a church the together. The most challenging thing for us is that we have a vision of what we're supposed to do, yeah. but you bring along people who have an expectation of what it's supposed to look like. So when you're driving change, when you're leading change, it's really hard to get people yeah. to understand, you know, we don't have a building. We run to a buy space. into it. Yeah, yeah. Like we don't want a property. We don't want the overhead. We don't want a staff. We don't, we yeah, want yeah. the money that comes into the church to go back out into the mission of the community and abroad. And yeah. So that was what we niched down on. I mean, we, we, we had had the blowback music. We'd had the big choirs. We'd had all the programming. We had all that stuff and we wanted to strip all that out. And so the people that we were going to say, come and see, you know, we're going to be in for a rude awakening as we did tracks off a screen. You know, we, we just didn't have any of that stuff. And our main focus was the heart is beautiful. Yeah. The heart's beautiful. The main focus was that we were going to hear the word passionately and then go out and do something with it and, and serve our communities. Right. And so, and again, with churches the way they've developed over the last 20 years, the, the pastors just – leadership just doesn't ask or demand much from people because if they demand much, they don't come back and because they've already got a lot of demands in the world. So we just made that easier for them over the last 20 to 25 years. And that's not gotten us in a really good place with, with the church and, and how people you know act out in the world, honestly. And so that's what we've niched down on. Are we seeing more people in, in, in organized religion? I know you no. and I spoke about this. Yeah, no, less. It's, it's less. A uh, lot is shrinking. Yeah, yeah. The uh, denominationalism is. Yeah, go ahead. Let's drill down on this a little bit. So, yeah. without that, without the program centered, without the big music on stage and so forth, right. what, what's the service like? Is there a worship time or yeah, yeah, more yes. of a teaching session or how, how does that characterize? Yeah, I mean, it's we still have music, we still have time for prayer, we still read scripture, we still have. All the stuff that's in a normal service that you would go to, whether it be Catholic or Protestant, whatever it is, communion, we do Holy Communion, we do all of those things, celebrate all the high festivals. But it's just, are the 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 you know when you spend money on a on a contemporary music, you know that's that can be twenty to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. You know we we just didn't we don't do that, uh, and so people had to get used to singing off a of tracks off a of screen or seeing seeing on the north side we have just a guitarist that comes it's her daughter lexi that's just so talented but we pay her minimally to do what she does you know so that was we lost some people because of that you know they came and they they were all it was all a big deal but then they had to have a choir or they had to have that entertainment factor and you know that's just not what we do. I mean, we we are de- we we are dedicated to training people to hear the word of God, which doesn't necessarily make us feel good all the time. It's going to challenge us, but then to go do something with it out in the world. So we really want change makers out in the world. So, so what are your thoughts? Like, there's this trend out there, uh, the darkened church is what I call it. But essentially, when you go in, house lights are down, stages lit up, right? It's very yeah. it's, it's a dramatic or it's like going to see a play or a concert or something. It's dramatic lighting, right? Um, yeah, like I like mixed synchronized lighting it. and yeah. all of that is. That's not what we're about. We're we're an Acts two model, 
And so what, what's happened, we think, with the Western church is that it's become very consumer-driven. And so when you get that environment right, those musicians on the stage are being paid as musicians. So when you start asking your church, what are you spending money on? You know, you're spending thousands every Sunday for worship service, but then where's the money going out into the community? And so that's what we're up against is a very commercial driven mentality when it comes to worship. Like I want the wow factor. Well, Mm -hmm. that costs money. So that money is being invested into mics and music and yeah, so there's a church uh, musicians so, and automation and video. So generally, all, yeah. all, lots of money. And so when you start looking, um, and so that's why it's it, it's not for everybody because right. we, we don't have what we want. And, and the Asbury revival was just a reminder. They kept saying it's authentic and it's real and it's pure and the spirit is there. And so that's kind of what we were wanting was something. And we started this four years ago. That was just very authentic and real and pure and the word and not all the politics, not all the stage yeah. lighting and politics, power, all is not that there for stuff. sure. Yeah. Was the Asbury park uh, revival legit? I mean, how do you feel about that? Because it seemed like, and it might be, this might be a whole different discussion in another time, you know, on the whys and wherefores of it, but it seemed like that cut. I think it would be. I think really it's fast. very. I, I think it's very dangerous to say that it isn't legit. I think it's very dangerous to, to, to make. Uh, there are a lot of opinions flying around about that, and then you've got religious leaders saying it's not legitimate for for their own personal reasons because it's taking away from their their focus on their ministry because what they were doing was something that's wholly different than what any other church is doing every Sunday. It's spontaneous. It's it's. It's not organized. It's not led by anybody. It's, it doesn't have a hierarchy. It doesn't have a structure. It was led literally from the bottom up. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so we see churches and church structures from the top down. And so that offended a lot of people. And, you know, but the, the main thing was to keep that open and organic and let God speak to everybody who was experiencing it. Now, do I think it get, got hijacked in the end? And do I think a lot of good things get hijacked in the end? Yeah, I think that can happen. And I think people tried to hijack it. And honestly, I don't know what it's doing now. I don't know where it's gone or, or what it's doing, but you know, it's, it's a lesson for us all that if, if something like that can happen in Asbury, why isn't something like that happening in in other parts of 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 Christendom? And it can happen in different ways. And we did a whole series on that that it doesn't have to be this big explosive wow blowback Mount Sinai burning bush split the Red Sea moment. But it com- revival comes in God speaking to your heart directly within you. And how is He going to motivate you to do something powerful for the kingdom? And you put that together with about a million Christians around the world, then you have revival. Does that make sense? And then something powerful can happen. The thing so, that that shone out of that to me, yeah. that hinted to me that it was really something, right? Not not a manufactured experience. And I mean, yeah, people will piggyback on or hi- try to hijack or whatever. Yeah. But and, I mean, you saw Christian singers trying to piggyback. That's not I even mean, necessarily a bad thing, although yeah. it could be. But um, the intentionality of the way organizations started shutting it down real fast oh, yeah. and ultimately capped that thing off, it just, just yeah. And I think smelled like an attack to me, which it hinted to me that it might have been a real thing. Well, what happened happening. when Jesus started, right, when Precisely. he started walking and teaching and they started following and the Pharisees were overwhelmed by 
this following that he had. And Jim and I talk a yeah, lot of times it's about it. we're Pharisee 2.0. It hasn't changed. You know, you have Christian leaders today that are still anxious about people following the pure gospel and not a church or a pastor or a speaker or a personality. But there's a business model too. You know, yeah. to, the oh, way church time. operates in America, there has to be a absolutely a business of church as well as the ministry of the church, and they're not the same thing. You can't confuse the two. Well, so, I mean, but, yeah, but it was challenging that structure more. Certainly. More so, it was I think politics and power, and than it was maybe money, but I mean, they had their own back then they had their own money schemes that they were getting money and filling their coffers. But this was truly about power and politics with, with Jesus. And it still is today. I mean, if you take your, I mean, in the systems that I used to run in, you take your focus off of another person's ministry or another, I mean, it's just all, it, it, it seems so competitive and so counterproductive because the goal is to get people to know Jesus. The goal is to get people to understand that God loves them. And yet you have all of these different egos and just people trying human human things happening Humanist. and it yeah. and it can be destructive for sure but that's not that's why overcome is something very different it's very stripped down it doesn't have those power structures it doesn't have those political overlays it's a it, and when people walk in it's just about two things hearing the word of god letting it challenge you and then us helping you find ways in which to make that real out in the world it sounds like you're getting back to the basics very much so yes. and that's why we call it an acts 2 church so if you go read acts 2 and you see how the church was formed you know and that's was that was sherry's brainchild that you know we it it really is how they worshiped in the very beginning. You know, they came together, they broke bread, they helped one another, they gave of themselves so that nobody was in need. I mean, it's just a beautiful expression of how people had community, you know, in the spirit of God. And, you know, that's just now it's competitive. Now it's, you know, how can we overcome another person? How can we tear down another person? It's just well, it's throughout history, the church has been weaponized as well. Yeah, um, for sure. For a variety of different reasons, whether you're talking Rome 2,000 years ago or you're talking now, um, the church can be scary to authority, can be yeah. scary to yes. governments. Yeah. I mean, communism, there's a reason why, yeah. Yeah. you know. Well, when you get people to think on their own and when you get people to not let somebody else think for them, I mean, what we're suggesting, the church has always suggested that God needs to be the one that is moving in and through you and, and showing what you should be doing. That's why we have these unbelievable thing that we call martyrs do unbelievable things that defy, you know, just, I mean, they give their lives for people that we wouldn't even blink an eye to. They go do, they deny themselves. They, they take, Teresa. I mean, they take vows of poverty. They just do unbelievable things because they're being called by something that's so much bigger than this world. And, you know, people get scared by that. Even the church got scared by the Jesuits. Even the church was scared by the Benedictine monk. I mean, you know, people reacting against the, the church was scared with Martin Luther and when the, when the Protestant Reformation occurred, obviously. So, you know, there are people with even within the church back, you know, four or five hundred years ago that were reacting against those power structures that the church wanted to get rid of, as they did Jesus. And you know, today it's it's not, you know, you have your denominationalism. You have I, it just seems like the church today is in such, and it is, it's in such the back seat where it was in the front seat, you know, and showing people where to go and how to do this. And, and, and most of it in a productive way, some of it not, obviously. But now it's just not. Now so it's, the bureaucracy is running the show. It, the bureaucracy and denominationalism certainly is running the show. But, I mean, we have just so Holy Spirited out 
we've just kicked the Holy Spirit out of the church pretty much, and now it's just people running out of schools, out of education. Yeah, yeah, it's everything. I mean, the, to to allow the Holy. If I asked a normal person out of any denomination, probably, hey, what's the Holy Spirit? They'd probably go, um, and how does that work in your life? I mean, you would get like pin drop silence kind of stuff. And that's the most active part of the Trinity that's living within us, spurring us on, giving us new ideas, helping us live together in community and in love. And yet we ignore it. And, you know, preachers don't want to, if they say follow the Holy Spirit, then you're not following who? Them. And so when you give power back to the Holy Spirit, then you're really not. See, I mean, all the church model does today is focus on the person in the pulpit, which is now a personality and a, and a, celebrity kind of thing. And those just like it was 2000 years ago. I mean, that's a lot of power and a lot of ego and, and not all of them do this now. I mean, this is not everyone that's in a pulpit, obviously, but I mean, when you get into those really big, big places, that's, that's, I mean, when people revere a pastor in that way, rather than revering more so than they revere Jesus, then there's something, there's something Upside down about that yeah. is what I'm saying. Are we seeing political correctness raise its head in the church? Oh, good Lord. Um, I've already been canceled once, so I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it's uh, – You don't have to yeah, answer that. No, I, I believe – and this is where it gets even scarier is because political correctness doesn't allow people like pastors and priests to be effective any longer. And so that's uh, that's the – obvious thing from uh, holding people accountable maybe? well no just because when they're supposed to speak the truth they're afraid they, they risk their job they risk their position they've got families they they risk hurting them and so it's just easier not to say anything you know and i didn't have a i don't have a family um i mean i've got a, a new family i don't have children though and uh it i never had that and I always promised God I would never take a knee and I would never be silent. And I've always lived by that and done that. And, you know, people don't like that. You know, people in the bureaucracies of the churches do not like people that want to break out on their own. They'd rather them be a part of the herd. Yeah. And uh, if the herd mentality with a denomination is political correctness, then that's the way the herd's going to go. And you'll see the people that want to separate get called out pretty quickly. That's very unfortunate. Yeah, well, I mean, and then, you know, what what God is trying to do in churches right now is silence certain people and reawaken new voices. I believe that. I believe God is trying to do something brand new in the church today, and yet we've got voices that have been powerful before and spoken truth before, but now are not speaking, okay? And God is trying to raise new voices up to do something brand new in a very— in a, in a culture that's changing so rapidly. Okay. Um, and it's, you know, I'm praying that we have enough courage to let those voices be heard. Mm-hmm. So during this past week, we, during our pre-production talks, um, Robert was explaining to me a new idea that you have a way of n- moving in a new direction and with a new voice. What can you tell us along those lines? Uh, that we're going to move to and live on a boat for the rest of our lives and go, <laughs> you know, fish. <laughs> I mean, I think for us, you know, we're we're really trying to explore new ways to evangelize and get the message that, that we're being called to get out. And I mean, and that means that we love our local church and we want to still be a part of that. But I think we need to be thinking about new ways in which we can really 
inspire other people to whether they're young, whether they're old. I mean, our community honestly is much older, you know, uh, and it, and those people still have a lot of life left, you know, and how is their voice going to be heard? And normally in our society, we just silence that voice. Don't Mm -hmm. we, we put older people in community homes and because they, you know, we consider them old ideas and all this stuff, but no, they, God uses more people that are older than he does anywhere else in the Bible, you know? And so how do we get these people thinking about new ways to, and, and so we're, we're not going to let all of that out today because we don't want to freak everybody out completely, but yeah, but we are really being led to think of new ways in which we can uh, share, share this beautiful thing called love and, and yeah, some people are going to not like it and some people are going to, you know, want to go back to the old ways in which we do things. But, uh, you know, I believe that more people like us can be raised up. So um, I think what we have to pay, what we're paying attention to is that the church is changing. It used to be a open the door and they'll come kind of thing. Well, they're not coming anymore. Um, right. And so the reason, and that's not changing, and it's not a post-pandemic thing. It's just the church is changing. And so the churches that will grow, the Holy Spirit movements that will happen are going to happen beyond that going to church Four on walls. Sunday yeah. thing. So when we started Overcome Church, we named it Overcome because Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have trials and tribulations, but fear not, for I've overcome the world. Um we do more ministry on the street, walking around, yeah. talking to people. We'll have conversations. We'll really hit it off with somebody. They'll find out we're pastors, and all of a sudden, a wall comes up. They don't want to talk anymore because they've been hurt by the local church. And we found that that is our biggest ministry, is helping people that have been judged um, by moral standards of the church and cast out because the Holy Spirit is about restoration and renewal and bringing yeah. people into the fold. And so that's why that word evangelism is really holding heavy on our heart because um, we feel that we truly are coming into a call of evangelism. It's the gospel. A call of back grace. to evangelism. Call back. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's yes. now, I have the heard, early church. Yeah. I have heard this before. Back in those prehistoric days that Tila was unfamiliar with <laughs> in the seventies. Tila doesn't Robert, look like she's more than twenty-two. What's yeah, going on with that? All right, <laughs> Robert Schuler, you, you know, he built a big church with that Crystal Cathedral thing yeah, he out did. in L.A. But yeah. he had a thing going early on in a drive-in movie theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and on Sunday during the day, when they weren't showing movies, people yeah. would drive in and put the speaker on their window. And they could come and go as they wanted to, and it was yeah. very non-traditional, very contemporary, uh, you know, out of the box approach. Yeah. You're you're reminding me of that would Tila, would you go to church at a drive-in? Would you drive in and listen like that? A lot You've of people been did. to a drive-in. <laughs> I've been to like, What's a drive-in? <laughs> I was going to say that might be the first yeah. question. That was really big during the pandemic, right? Like well, uh, drive-through churches, yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh, or they about. had outdoor seating arranged, yeah. so it's we along those same lines. Drive-through closings. Jim actually yeah. did radio church. Yeah, we, we did, did radio, radio church, church during the pandemic. We also, Sher and I did our first service was in a theater, an AMC theater, and we we did it for that one reason that we were we were wanting people that did not feel comfortable in a church to be feel comfortable, and we thought, well, what better place than a movie theater? And so, you know, it's where all of that holiness sort of and self-righteousness sort of evaporates and we can just see people as people, you know, there's some people that have done things that, that they don't feel that they're even worthy that God would love them. And that's a sad way to live your life. And that's what we, I think that's the, the, the call of the church is to seek those people out and to find them. I don't know if, if this makes sense, but whenever I get close to the church, it starts to storm. 
lightning clouds, thunder. I you, think he's trying to tell me something. The, Robbie, you just thing. haven't tied enough. That's, I think he's, yeah. That, he's like, you're either not giving enough or you're way wrong, boy. It's a Robert Mason thing. It's all, all that Airbnb all money. Urban. Yeah. God, I don't, I don't get Come it. Come to overcome. You'll be, you'll be yeah. pleased. Come yeah. to overcome. Yeah. Okay. I'll be overcome. Yeah. So, I mean, we're excited Come about over. that. I, I think that, that what we want to do is speak to, I mean, everybody's got their flavor. You know, denominationalisms, you're not going to tr- convince a Catholic to go to a, a Baptist church, right? right? I mean, they've got their traditions. They've got their stuff. And that's not the people we're looking for. We're looking for people that have not stepped foot in a church, that are feel completely unworthy, that are, have been l- literally pushed out by the church. And that's what Overcome exists to do, is to bring a, a message of hope and, and love to those people. So. so it seems to me the major battle is connection connecting with enough people, letting them know what you do. It's kind of like being in the mortgage business, right, Tila? If people don't know that you do that, then you've got to push the envelope and you've got to market it, right? You've got to get out there in front of people like on this radio program. Like, you know, I I, I haven't done it yet, but you brand yourself and whatever it is you're doing and you go around and you don't be afraid to tell people what it is that you do. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, and I'm an introvert, complete total full-blown 100% introvert and Sherry's not Sherry loves to be social in front of people and I just when I go out in front of people I get like froggish you know like Bugs Bunny I sing I can sing in the shower but when I get in front of people I go ribbit you know (laughs) if I get in the pulpit I'm in my element and behind a mic I mean I can do all that stuff but you know but I, I believe that for us we wanted to be out on the street. We wanted to preach open air. We wanted to just be spontaneous about where we put the message. It's not, we don't want to be offensive just to be offensive, but we wanted to just to preach the, a, a loving and accepting God. And, you know, I think that the best way that that message can be heard, and we're just getting done with a testify series is that everybody has a testimony to share that. So, Everybody has a testimony about how God has interacted in their lives, and all they got to do is share it. And that affects people. And so it's not about coming to see a preacher preach it for 20, 25 minutes. It's about hearing different testimonies about how God has affected their life. And you get all those people doing that together, then that becomes a, a, a powerful moment. Jim, years ago I read a book, and I'd like to get your reaction to this based on what you're saying, because this Testify series plays right into it. Um, Frankie Schaefer wrote a book called Addicted to Mediocrity. Mm-hmm. His dad ran that big fellowship over in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And and Frankie later on, you know, he's out there pretending to be an atheist now, but, mm-hmm. but I don't think that invalidates his book. The, the the point of that book was was bringing, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit outside the walls of the church right. and presenting it in real life with excellence. And the thing that stuck with me was when he said, and, and I'd like to get everybody's reactions to this, he said, the world does not need more Christian, uh, let's say, musicians. It needs more musicians that are Christians, right? Yeah, not more Christian real estate agents, more real estate agents that are Christian. And by yeah. this, he was getting at: don't just slap the Jesus label on something cheap or right. or mediocre and, and make call it, it mean spiritual. Right. Make well, it mean the, well, right. the Gen Zers can smell that out in a heartbeat. The Gen Zers are the future of our our country, the future of our church, and they are fleeing from the church. They are. In dro- because it's not authentic, because they they see a label slapped on, and they can mm-hmm. smell that out. They can they can smell out a pr- person preaching from the pulpit who doesn't mean what he what they mean. Well, yeah. and I think there's a lot of of moral high ground too. I think there's they, hypocrisy they, and judgment and also and the, this just flies all over them because what they would like, and if 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 you've heard what they they're saying, 
They're saying, give me the gospel in action. Give me God in action. I'd rather see God in action than you hear you tell me about it. And so what they're really saying is, is that we want the church to wake up. And the church is very content on sitting on its heels and trying to do the same thing it's always done, which is say, come and see. Come sit in your pew, give us some money, and let's do the same thing. I'll program you, I'll program you, I'll program, I'll program your children, I'll program your, your adult life. I'll not like, I mean, I'll give you programming for it, okay? And you can be happy, and we'll make you happy. And the Gen Seers are saying, we don't want any of that. We want to see action, and we want to see change happen in the lives of people because of what you say. So Tila, how does that resonate with you? I don't know if you're Gen Z or maybe Y, but she's Z. <laughs> Am I? No, I'm a, I'm a millennial. What's, what's, I'm, I'm over 20, uh, 22. What's your reaction? <laughs> what you Under 39, you're a Z. Oh, um, not, don't be mean. <laughs> Not 39. I said under 39. Oh, I thought you said over. I was like, oh. No. You'll look like us I'm going to kick day. you I'm, under the table here. I'm You'll 39. Look like us. You'll look like Stoner and I one day. So, <laughs> Robert, Robert, Robert Teela's not 39. I'm 39. I know. Yeah, you've been telling me that for years now. you're 21. That's what he told me. Yeah. She knows what side of bread the butter goes on. So I'm over here listening and my little wheels are turning and I'm like, okay, taking it all in because I didn't know who you were coming in here. I mean, I watched a... 10 second video on you before right. coming in here. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, well now I know what he looks like. He has white hair. Uh, cool. Um, I got this. <laughs> We're going to have an hour conversation Thanks. and Tila. cool. Uh, but to, Tila needs to tithe more too, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, really. More money. She got, I've heard that twice. She got something against uh, white hair. Here. It's not yeah. the only thing, but, yeah. um, and before coming in here, you know, Robert had given me just kind of a heads up. I mean, I wasn't supposed to be on this podcast until Wednesday. That's when right. I got invited to come over here. And then here. when I told you about Jim, you were like, why are you telling me this? Correct. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, so this is what he told me. Tell me if this is true or not, because everything that I've heard today kind of goes against what Robert has told me. Right. So he oh, was my telling God. me, <laughs> Robert's a liar. Just kidding. I'm not saying that. Um, but there may be misunderstanding on my right, part. Right. So I was informed that you were going against, uh, basically, and you said it, you got canceled for a belief that you have um, that other people didn't have about transgender, um, maybe gay, queer. Um, well, I mean, not to to get into that as much, but I mean, I put when, you on the spot when you when you speak up against the 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 bureaucracy of the church, and you you tend to you you get you know you 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 become a target for a lot of things, and and it didn't have to be you know I have my thoughts on transgenderism and genderism and and sexuality and all those things, but. Uh, you know that wasn't necessarily the the lightning rod moment as much as it was it 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 doesn't take much to make the people in power upset okay you just have to stand up against what they're saying and and if it's enough they they will move and and they did and, and that's fine i mean we we started a beautiful church and you know i decided this wasn't for me any longer and you know i i pray for them and i pray only but good things for them you know but for me, it's it's about. I mean, I think I came to a point in my life where I said, "Am I making a difference? Am I really making a difference where I am?" And the answer was no. I mean, I mean, I could fill a church, fill a church all day long, thousands of people, but you know, in the end, am, am I really making a difference? And you know, I feel like I'm making more of a difference where I am right now. So sure, sure, that makes sense. Uh, I guess that wasn't really answering my question um, because I was thinking more on the sense of just everything that you said here today. Yeah. You're like, I'm going after the people who are 
judged and kicked out right, and pushed right. out of the church. And so you're wanting to target these people and bring them back to the gospel of God. Yeah. And, you know, those people would be, I guess, what I'm thinking because let's just face it, uh, transgender, queer, bi, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, all of the different of, you know, outside of the heterosexual yeah, they're normal. Com- they're completely welcome in our church. Oh, okay. In fact, my daughter is our worship leader and ah. she's getting married um, to her fiance, who is a female. Oh, okay. So totally misguided this. Our church is open now. It doesn't mean that we still don't struggle with issues. It doesn't mean that we don't. But the one thing we don't do is we don't judge people. We're, the one thing we're not going to do is is say to you, we're not going to shut the conversation down. And I think that's what's happening in our cultures today is, is that it's just the conversation gets shut down. Lines get drawn where, where the church would say, okay, if you're conservative, you're saying, okay, we have no need for you. Okay. Well, so, well, what would Jesus say about those people? I mean, Jesus would say, actually, those are the people I came for. In fact, I came for you as well. You're sick. We're all sick. All was sin. Paul said, none are righteous. No, not one. But so you get people who are, who, who begin to say the church, the purpose of the church is to be the judgment of morality, where the purpose of the church was to be solely a dispenser of grace. That's it. To solely tell people about Jesus's love and that the Holy Spirit then works in everybody's heart individually. Okay. And so that so, we're, we don't, we don't have the ability to judge those people in the way that God can judge those people. We are solely commissioned to go out and tell people about Jesus and love God and, and love, love people. God and love people. That's so basically it. you're the arena where the Holy Spirit works instead of being a gate guard to the faith. Yes. There you go. Instead of telling people how the Holy Spirit works, which I have no ability to do, I'm asking everybody to take a deep breath and look at people as God would look at people that I died for that person. That person might not look like you come from where you come from, believe in the same things you believe in, but neither they did 2000 years ago. And Jesus embraced, and the disciples were irate that Jesus was going to all of those people, the sinners, the the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the, 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 Syrophoenicians, all the Samaritans, all these people that they thought were unclean. Jesus says, those are the people I want to be with. And that's what Overcome wants to do. And that's what I think the Gen Z, like we talked about, they yeah. see through the political systems of the yeah. world and the church looks so alike. They battle over these things where grace covers a lot. And so I think that's where we're passionate about is that, you know, we've had people come to our church that said, I I'm gay and I'm told I can't be a door holder or I can't be a host to greet people in. And our heart is, do you love Jesus? Do you love people? You have a place. And so yeah. I that's think, all that counts. So yeah. I had, to, I so, had, it's, it, if, I don't know how much more time we have, but I, we're not really on a time clock, okay, but, but I, I wanted to get yeah, Robert's uh, reaction to this idea of taking it outside the church too. But I think Tila should, should be the one to ask him. Actually, I think, uh, you know, if you get tired of this mortgage thing, you've got a real career as an investigate as an interviewer out there. <laughs> no, she had a great. In fact, yeah. uh, were there other questions you yeah, wanted yeah, to yeah, ask yeah. about? Just kind of more a comment because yeah, yeah. It, leading into what you're saying, you know, Gen Z that they they, they are a different generation. Very I mean, I think so. it's I, I think it's yeah. great. I think it's beautiful. It's yeah. the uh, the the future that we have. Yeah, they're so open. They're so non judgmental. I mean, and that. I think is kind of where there's so much fluidity with that generation. I mean, in the sense of 
gender fluidity and um, you know, open relationships, that's like a very prevalent thing. And I'm, I'm a millennial, so it is a different generation for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like looking at these uh, young individuals and I'm yeah. like, wow, they are so full of love. But because of that, they are a, kind of against more against like judgment um, and they sniff it out and they don't want to feel judged or guilted. Yeah. And I think, yeah. that, well, I think that's, judgment is, that is a key word for this yeah. conversation. That's huge. You That's can't huge. you can't be a judger if yeah. if you're preaching the gospel. Right. If you're uh, preaching God because he doesn't care about your sins, he just wants you to open your heart, right? Yeah, he cares he cares eternally about our sin. That's why yeah. he gave us Jesus. He he but because of that what where we lose the messages is that because Christ died on a cross for us, all of a sudden we seem to be able to say, "Well, he died for you and not for you." Right. And Jesus and God said no, I died for you all because I love you all. And so that's where the church misses it. The church says, well, okay, let's let's start separating people because that's where we're comfortable. And so the the church is really faced with a huge problem with the Which Gen is kind Zers. of what I was talking about the other day when I was describing I must have misunderstood. You, you, yeah, you did. You, you missed that. You got taken up with the white hair. I know. It's okay. Right. It's overwhelming at times. Yeah, but all we right? pick and choose, and I think that's what people – that's why I think the church, the Western church is struggling is because we pick and choose. Like God has a lot to say about gossip and slander, a lot. And yeah. people do it every single day. And mainly Christians. But then they want, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, they do. In fact, you know, the, you know, bless her heart, I have a prayer request is typically a gossip session is yeah. typically what it is. But I think that's what the gospel of grace is what we're really passionate about is because we, how can you have a conversation about Jesus with someone if you're not willing to get to know that person first? Right. And right. so if you cancel them or close them out, um, Jim and I do have, you know, a, big part of our story is we were hurt uh, by the local church. And so I'll never forget after it happened, I remember driving to a church, sitting in a parking lot and saying, God, why did you let this happen? Why, why am I here? And it was an audible voice. And I do believe it was the Holy spirit that said, I want you to see how my people are treated by my church and I want you to love them. And so I think that's what yeah. our call is on our life is that we've seen what, the church can do spiritually to abuse people by pushing them out. Uh, they're not worthy. They're not good enough. They, they, they struggle with this or they struggle with that. And then where does the gospel of grace get preached? And so I think right. that the Western church could, you know, we could see thousands baptized daily yeah. if we really got back to, like Robert said, to the basics. We got yeah. back to the basics and allow the Holy Spirit to have movement in this place that we live and breathe. Um, we, I worked for a church who was like, I wasn't an elder, so I couldn't consecrate Holy Communion. Yeah. And I went toe to toe with a pastor and I said, well, wait a minute. Jesus said, take and eat. And when you do remember me, what about a person out in a field in Africa that's not an elder? Should they not be able to take Holy Communion because an elder didn't bless it? So this is I, what I the think Gen those Z-er same Holy out. Spirit the, in me is yeah. in you. The Gen Zers sniff out that self-righteous hypocrisy right. where I've self-ordained myself as more spiritual than you. Therefore, I have more power over certain elements that people are hungry for. They're hungry. We're, we're spiritual beings in human bodies, not the other way. I mean, we are first spiritual beings, I believe. And we're desperate. Our spirit is hungry for spiritual things. And yet we have 
people like that. And I don't know if that's the majority. I mean, we ran into them. I mean, oh, it felt like times. the majority for us, but that believe that because they have sort of self-ordained themselves apostolically from the very beginning with uh, going back to the, the disciples, that they have some sort of magical power that others don't possess. I sent people out to serve, laity to serve communion, and they got all, oh, my God, you thought I would have, Satan had rose up out of the ground himself. You know, all the clergy were going, you can't do that. I go, why can't I do that? What? what What's Wasn't I? This, I do not fit in the, this round peg. Does not fit in this square hole any longer. This there's something wrong with this, you know. So right. I'm a history nerd. I always yeah. go back to the historical. Yeah, so but this was essentially the Reformation, right? Five hundred uh, years ago, we're pulling that yeah, power Martin away Luther. from oh, yeah. the church yeah. uh, institution. Yeah, Martin Luther nailed it on the door, and you know now that's and here a, we are still fighting the same fight. Yes. Hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of people died because of that, but uh, it, it it's a lot of the same thing. But the problem with it today is it seems like I feel like just congregations go along with it now. Just feels like I don't see many congregations standing up and questioning it, you know, and saying, what, why does this doesn't smell right? This doesn't feel right. Or maybe they just haven't read their Bible closely enough. I mean, or maybe they haven't prayed it, but it just, it, it's just like people just go with the flow. And it's kind of like the, you know, a doctor comes in with a white jacket and says, okay, I know what's best for your, you know, your body and your, in your disease. Well, I trust that guy because he's wearing a what? Yeah. Wearing white a white jacket. jacket. Yeah. The guy puts on a pilot hat, and I trust the guy can fly the flying in the plane, you know? And it, same thing with religiously. You put on a robe, and all of a sudden, a collar, you, you have got their attention. And that's a very dangerous place because, trust me, clergy are just as susceptible to pride and ego more than any other person in any other industry, in any other vocation. And it's a and so the white jumpsuit, place. if you put on a white jumpsuit, you know, old suit, polyester suit, Saturday Night Live, that's, you just get pegged for that. Yeah, we, we haven't done that yet. But it's, <laughs> we might. If it attracts people, Are we the will. jumpsuits coming yeah. back? I'm, I've still got like three of them. Yeah, I don't think we, so. We don't own one. Yeah. We, but, but, you know, it's, so it is a, it's an exciting time in the history of the church, really exciting time for people that really want to do something different. It's, it's a very scary time for people that think that they can do the same thing and reach people with the same tools, okay, in their repertoire that they've been doing for so long and think that they can ignite people again. And I just don't, I think we're past that. I honestly do. And I think the church is going to wake up and find itself totally out of the picture. Because if you look out in denomination, denominationalism, you're going to see people's hair just like me and stone. They're white. They're all white. And eventually that generation dies off and then who's left? And so they're, they're, they're saying, okay, I'm fine with just meeting the needs of this generation. They're not thinking about the next, and they've got to be thinking about the next. Well, so, you should be educating for the next generation. So you, oh, very for, much so. And, and you can't forget history. You can't forget where we came from. Yep. You know? Yep. Let's yep. say Jim's right about this, and, and this, actually, this idea actually catches on, and the denominationalism kind of fades you know, now, oh, it already is now right what? in front of you. They, right. they, they'll say it's not, but it is. The Pew reports prove that people are fleeing denominationalism and, and doing something else. So now what does that mean? Robert? Well, they're going out, non-denom or they just are, are out of the game completely. They love Jesus, but they don't know. They don't trust the church to, to, to that they can lead any longer. So 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 outside the church, out in the business world, you know, you're a real estate broker, you're a mortgage broker, Stone's a, a radio producer, right? What does that what does that mean out there? I think it's getting back to, to basic morality for me, you know, do what you say, say what you're going to do. Don't be judgy. 
And, you know, oh, I like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't care, you know, who people sleep with or who people vote for or what you eat, but just don't, you know, just don't be judgy to me if, if I don't yeah. disagree, if I don't agree with it. That's what I take from it. I think, I think that if I could put it, if you, if you took a congregation and you've made them close their eyes and put their heads down and they, they, were asked these very difficult lightning round questions. Do you have, do you know a gay person? Do you know somebody, do you have a gay child? Do you have a gay cousin? Do you, you know, a lot of people would raise do. their hands yes. and have sympathy and sure. are sitting in silent horror about the treatment of whether it's a homosexual or what's, or whether it's somebody on another political spectrum or whomever or wherever, you know, people are sitting in silent horror because to speak out gets you what? Cancel. Cancel. It's not just it's not just a conversation. It is now canceled. Yeah. So I mean it's just it's horrific where we are with that stuff. So it's uh an interesting world in which we live. I and woke up this morning like, why can't we just focus on being a good human? Yeah, let's get back to that. Like let's just yeah. be good human beings that like because the first the hardest thing is you gotta look in first, right? Because we all have our junk. So when we work on ourself, then we're able to give out a beautiful, you know, expression of love to other people. And so I just feel like everything is so divided right now. Politics, the church is no different. It's divided as well. And so, you know, we do need to look at the new generation coming up and they see that division and they don't want anything to do with it. It's already stressful in their jobs, in their career, in their families, in their friend groups. And so why would I want to go into a church and have that same division placed on me? It's like watching sports, you know, when they start getting political and it's a football game. You know, I don't watch sports to to get politics out of it, you know, yeah. leave it out of it. Yeah, I think that, you know it's interesting with the older generations that really seem to. I mean, I've had more people over sixty say, you know, we don't like change, and it might be that the the goal of the church is to start maybe the first line of the first front that we're on, the battle line that we're on, we're on is to really get those people to understand what baton they're trying to pass. And getting them to understand that if 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 we if you continue to dig in instead of fill in, then you are going to miss the opportunity to pass this baton to the next generation. Yeah, and and you might not agree with them, you might not understand them, but that's no reason to not hear them. Okay. Well, and, you know what we f- we fear change so much, Jim. Yeah. I mean, change is can be a little scary, and right. you know we don't know what we don't know. And when you're when you're when you're faced with something that you're not used to or seeing or whatnot, yeah, there is a little of yeah, there's fear, and there is and you know it scares me because I don't necessarily fall you know like I can't affirm certain things that are out there right now. Like some of these things are 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 in my mind just where are they getting this? You know how are they? But you know what, my job is not to my job is to give my opinion and to back it up the way I can back it up and speak truth the way I think I can speak truth, but it's not to condemn them with the truth. Sure. It's not to shout them the truth. It's not to bludgeon them with the truth. It's to bully love them, them and, right. and bully them. It's to love them, to draw them in. And what I'm hoping on the other side is they will be able to do the same with me. Right. Because where I was hyper conservative, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I'm not liberal by any means, but I'm not hyper conservative any longer. You know, I'm like, throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, no, not at all. The, 
the, the bathwater is where we all are. We don't right. need to be emptying anybody out of the bathwater. You know, we need to be playing fairly and in love and in grace. And so I've come much more to the left and much more center in my beliefs, both theologically and, you know, just in general. Um, and, and I think you, you, when you have more conversations like that, then more people can be one and at least we won't fight about it any longer, I think. And I think that's the way we're going to fill our churches again. And that's the way we're going to see. And, and maybe not fill our churches, but at least getting people gathering together to do ministry in the name of God. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Get it might back not be to the a, basics. It might not be in a church on Sunday. It might be on something on Monday where they're going to serve food to somebody. It might, but I think Sundays are gone. I think they're not sacred any longer. I don't think that, I think people who are begging people to come to church on Sundays are playing out of a, an old sandbox, you know? And it, it's, it it sucks that it's come to this because oh, yeah. spirituality is different for everybody. Oh no, it doesn't. It's it, in history. It, every forest fire has been perfectly planned to bring the. You earth. think? Oh, to burn it all down, start over. But look no, at yeah. all of the people that have been helped throughout the ages yeah. from just having that spiritual strength. Yeah, uh, agreed. Uh, but I think that every. I think that when a church. Because if it's like a center line, if a church goes too far right, too far left, God is always trying to pull it back to the middle. Okay, mm-hmm. so you see different people stand up. Martin Luther, you're seeing, and so every time the church goes or society goes left or right, you see brave men and women standing up to do something incredible. Mm-hmm. Generally, what happens is there has to be a fire, a metaphorical fire. To, I mean, God did not lit. That generation enter the promised land. He wait for them to all die off before they could enter the promised land. Mm-hmm. All those people that were bucking him and in the wilderness for 40 years, the roughneck, the stiff neck, he let all those people die before he let the new generation go in. And I think that that's a lot of what's happening here. We're seeing that in between time, I think, of stirring uh, letting the old die off, you know, whether it's, you know, whatever. And I'm part of the old, by the way. I just happen to be a voice trying to pass the baton, you know, and helping other people to understand how to pass the baton. But I do think God is going to uh, close some doors and close a lot of doors and open new ones. This has been a very good discussion. Co- COVID might be the wildfire, right? Or or COVID plus politics, right? We're seeing a whole yeah. new uh, iteration of the workplace, right? Well, pro- the, work, the work from home revolution, content yeah. marketing revolution, this mm-hmm. the ad age is dying. The church is changing. Like you've been talking about, everything's changing, right? Everything yeah, across so, the board. Yeah. And so just to comment on that, the problem with the way we're handling social issues now is that we're speaking politically and socially instead of biblically and spiritually. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so we, the language now is not about, well, what would God say? The language is now, well, what does my party say? The language now is what do what does my party believe in right. or what do I socially believe in? We've broken up into teams. And tribes and stuff like that. Yeah, so that's, that's a real danger where you are right now. When we started this whole thing, Robert, we said no sacred cows – you know, political correctness does not apply. There's nothing off limits. We got there today, didn't we? Yeah, we sure did. <laughs> Ooh, I, Tina and I, we still, I guess we got to go out. Will you, lend, gotta, us, you, you will you lend us money, money for a boat and not a car, a house? You'll yeah, lend money for a boat. the same thing, yeah. actually. I was boat like, oh. <laughs> no, but I'll help you with a refinance so you yeah. can get money out. <laughs> yeah. Well, we rent. <laughs> so, no, it used, to be, problem. it used to be that a boat or an RV, if it had the right living facilities on it, would qualify for a mortgage, didn't it? Is that? Not true anymore. 
know. Yeah, it is. It is. And it has <laughs> I'm to do a millennial, with bathrooms. Remember? Bathrooms. has to do with bathrooms because RVs are the same way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but We'd have to have a catamaran. No, they have bathrooms in Monolls. But not as many. I've enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, it's been great. I've had a, uh, thank you for having us on. Or do we want to say, are we, can we, you want to talk more or do we? can talk more. We're not, we're not out of memory card yet as far as I know. So sure. Stone's not up there waving his hands. Oh, we got to, what time? If he starts jumping up and down. I think what you said about COVID being, you know, COVID has changed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and now not to bring in another whole topic, but AI is going to change things. And uh, yeah. so oh, yeah. I think we have to be, like you said, aware that, that g- change happens, growth happens out of change. And so I think it's an exciting time for the church. Um, I think it's an exciting time to be alive right Very now because so. there is a lot of things happening. And yeah. so I think that's what we have to remember is God always uses all things together for the good, right? So even a pandemic, even something like that, can, this manufactured yeah. pandemic. Look, I was, I am the great resignation. I, I had a, Career in the Navy, which is as bureaucratic as it gets. And then I was 20 years in corporate real estate development, you know, and, and during COVID, I said, So you own a bar. Enough <laughs> is enough, right? And I became an entrepreneur and yeah. I'm doing something creative and I'm completely yeah. divorced at this point yeah. from the corporate structure. And right? are you happy? Yes, but terrifying also, right? It's it was a great thing, but it was terrifying. Right. Yeah. It's scary to jump, but when you jump, you find out. And I think that's like with you're Jim untethered. Yeah. Well, you're not tethered. That any is longer. true. That in a very real sense. And and it's exciting and everything. I mean, listen, it's a great but everything is changing so the, around us, whether we want it to or not. So like Tila is a mortgage broker. I'm a real estate broker. You guys are now brokering the gospel. You're a videographer f- film broker we're all independent we're different from you we're very poor yeah <laughs> all right we're, we're a lot different from y'all. we our commissions are a lot lower that, that's probably true but you know i told a, a gentleman today i said those who can't do for themselves work for others we work for ourselves right where focus goes energy flows so we have to be sniper focused on what we're doing to be successful and that includes getting into discussions and debates like this and, and talking to different people with different philosophies. Because the more people that you rub up against, the more information you're going to get. And more information is certainly needed, especially for you, Randy. But I think that's why, why balm to our soul. <laughs> I'm yes. the mirror. I just hold it up and make pretty pictures out of it and let it out there. You're the more. information gatherer. Oh, I see what you mean. Because of your camera. Yeah, but this true. is what I think the world needs more of is – table conversation and not we might not all be on the same page on the same book same chapter but we can have a conversation i think that's yeah. the biggest problem right the now fruit and that's what we're Holy missing right now yeah. right. we are missing the ability to have the conversation yeah. right. based on um bias based on prejudice based on um you know political correctness and I mean, you, you, don't, you don't know how many times we when we talk to people we'll go um do you go to, are you a believer? And they'll go, I'm a Methodist or I'm a Baptist or I'm a Catholic. And there's your problem. And so it's, it really becomes, uh, you, you know, it becomes worrisome when we're not identifying with who we really are, who we really are. I, I might be a pastor, but I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a believer. And what we want people to say is, I'm a believer. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and God that created me. And yet we go back into these places that we get dumbed down in. So every denomination 
is dumbing those people in the seats down in a way. They're saying, this is the doctrine. This is the way it's supposed to be done. This is the polity. Don't, don't move outside of the way things flow. Well, tribes, you said it earlier. Yeah, tribes. And Teams. I, and I think it becomes very, that, that does not allow for conversation. That certainly doesn't allow for the Holy spirit to move no. in. And, and that was my last sort of cry for people, laity in pulpits. I mean, excuse me, laity in pews and churches around the world, please be constructively critical of your church and your leadership of your church. All right. Remember that you have the Holy Spirit trying to speak in and through you, and don't let anybody silence you. Mm-hmm. And like you know, and I think we all should be able to learn that lesson. Yes, it'll be you, you could pay a heavy price for it, but please have the courage to stand up and speak. Good stuff. Now, there's a new alignment in this room too. I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but Tila and I are from flyover states. We're out there where it's flat. There's nothing going on, and we migrated to areas we wanted to be in. Right entrepreneurially correct over a long period of time. One of us is young. One of us is slightly older. (laughs) I thought you were 39, slightly older, (laughs) but um, you know, so change is happening in every, it's a, it's a cliche in the business world. The only constant is change right now. There's nothing but change in sight. Nothing but right. Everything that lives and dies changes. Your grass changes every single day. Everything is changing. You know, the temperatures are changing. The the oceans are changing. Your hair color is going to change. Interest rates are changing. Interest rates are changing. Business practices changing. Yeah. yeah. The, the whole way of communicating your business to the marketplace is yeah. changing. Just right? go no. read Who Moved My Cheese. That's the greatest book ever. Human My Cheese. Well, yeah. Who, who Moved My Cheese. Who Moved My Cheese. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's, it's a great human. book. And he's who Moved right. My Cheese. Yeah, I said Human Cheese. That's oh, a great no. book, and he's yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Because, because while we're talking about this church denominational model, Dying, better wake up. Right? Better wake up. What we've what we're watching in the marketplace is the advertising model dying, right? And, and mm-hmm. when did it hit its highest point? Joe Isuzu lying to you laughingly, right? We ever, the whole ad agency, the whole ad industry was making fun of its own lies, right? Because they knew they had no credibility. So that started changing, right? And now mm-hmm. we have an entirely different content marketing. We have an entirely yeah. different way, right. as Jared was telling us in that episode. Entirely right. different way of communicating, like what to we're our doing clients. right now. Yeah, very right. much so. And it's all because um, the old model died. Yeah. Well, media is that way as well. The mainstream media has just yeah. lost total credibility. So the old model's dying. Yeah, you could be a Kodak. <laughs> Watch it? out! You could be uh-huh. a Kodak. I had to it? think about Jordan that for a Peterson. second. Jordan you don't Peterson, even you don't know Kodak. <laughs> I think it's a, a camera. It's yeah, a there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we're not. Are, are you talking heart. about the bear in He's Alaska? Old. Bless her little heart. <laughs> Those, it's the what's the other one? The I mean, it's not. Oh, it's Klondike. Oh, Klondike the, bar. Klondike bar. <laughs> hey, boo boo. No, I mean, yeah, that's uh, Kodak. Yeah, that's how we used to. Pro- so when we were, we were young, in silent pictures, movies. We actually Shh, had to go take that. our film <laughs> into a place to have it produced and and manufactured into film. And now we obviously have nobody digital, uses it but nobody uses it. But Kodak did not see that, and they could have seen it. And they chose not to see it. And they could have spent all of that new money into marketing in a new way. And they decided to stay in the old way. Blockbuster video did the same thing. There's been a number of of examples of that. Wolf Camera. I don't even think Wolf Camera is still. I mean, Blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people that could have been around. but The music industry, Jim. I mean, you know, look how changed changed up that all thing is. Well, we have, I have a lot of, um, you know, seniors in my Bible study and 
one lady was talking about just the times and it's so stressful and it's so that I, you know, I said, well, first of all, do you watch the news all day? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, stop. There you go. Yeah. That's the first problem. You know, the 24 seven news cycle doesn't mean you need to watch it. 24/7. It's called a boot tube for a reason. Exactly. And so I said to her, you know, and she was just like overwhelmed by, you know, all the hot topics in the media right now. And I finally just looked at her and said, okay, you can't control those things. And you're driving yourself crazy thinking about them. So how would you enter into that conversation with grace? Like, how would you, how would you, so instead of looking at the whole world and what's going on, look at your own self and how would you interact as a woman of faith in a conversation with someone about that? And so, um, that song, Hold On Loosely, you know, uh, who sings that? Hold On Loosely. 38 Special, dude. Is it 38 Special? Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, Seriously? if we hold on so she tight. She doesn't know what it is, but we, we should know that. <laughs> hold on loosely. Yeah, you go. You go. She t- yeah, Don't so it, go. we got to hold, hold on loosely, right, to the things, yeah. because it's like sand, right? Running through our hands, yeah, change definitely. is good. It's like, it's it's like time. Thing. It's our Don't number one commodity. Don't hold on to it. Yeah, don't hold on to it. Let go. Yeah. Let it. Let it be fluid. And, uh, but you got to have something solid to believe in. And I think that's why we're passionate about what we do. You got to have something solid to believe in when change comes. Overcome baby. So yeah. Overcome. Guys, thank you for having us on. You're welcome. Yeah. This has been fantastic. Yeah. Sum it up, Tila. What are you taking away from this discussion? That. Buy more houses. (laughs) Buy more houses. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That overcome is very open to the different types of people that are out there. Good deal. Which was not my belief going in. I we'll, was we'll under even, a different we'll impression. Even, we'll even take you, you, you silver-haired judger. We had a, we had a paradigm hey, shift right here on the show. Mine Robert, was white. It is white, though. What's the takeaway for you? My takeaway is um, conversation is good. The more you understand other yeah. people's uh, point of view is important. Yeah. We don't want to judge because I certainly don't judge, and I am judged quite often. Judgy McJudger, then. Judgy McJudger. And, um, you are. You've been judged recently. I have, yeah, about 35 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, no, I appreciate you guys coming out. Yeah, this definitely. is going to be a really good program. I can't wait to cut this up and get this out for everybody you and, do. And, and do it again. Yeah, definitely. Jim we'll and Sherry uh, from Overcome Church, shattering models and changing paradigms in, the, in real time. And, uh, and Tila Smith. Excellent mortgage broker and apparently investigative journalist. Investigative. It's my we are, side. We are, we are all of, we're all about changing things up here, shaking it up. Roger that. Thanks for what y'all do. Yep. Thank you.